Hello, and welcome into another episode of Top of the Hill. It's going to be a solo show tonight, just me, your host, Logan Hill, my buddy Tyler, my co-host. He could not make it tonight, but we have to put out some content, so we're going to put out some content. And we're arguably going to have two shows this week, because Tyler and I are supposed to record another one tomorrow. But there will be no show next week, because I will be on a dream destination vacation off to Hawaii. My little sister is going off to college. She's going college out in Hawaii, so I'm going out with the fam to help her move in, and we're making the trip. So no show next week, I'll be in Hawaii. But with that being said, there's a lot of news to talk about. I also was able to grab an interview for this show, so that's going to be coming up a little bit later. That's with a former classmate of mine and good friend of mine. His name is Tolua. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I don't want to butcher it for him, but we chopped it up about soccer, about the messy news, and a little bit about the Super League too. So with that being said, we'll get to that later. I want to start right now with some NBA news, NBA free agency news, that is, because a lot has happened in the last week and a half after free agency began. I want to start with the team I know the best, the Los Angeles Lakers, and basically they built a whole new team over the last week and a half. They added eight guys since the start of free agency. Those eight players are Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, and Kent Bazemore. So basically a whole new squad from last year's team. Alex Caruso gone, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, they got dealt for Kyle Kuzma, they got dealt for Russell Westbrook. So basically the Lakers have put a whole new team together to try to gear up for another run to the finals like they did in 2020. LeBron should come back healthy, Anthony Davis should come back healthy. And I want to stop right there and talk for a second about, because I've heard a lot of questions and a lot of people out there that are the naysayers, so to speak, thinking that, this LeBron, Russ, Anthony Davis big three is just going to just going to kind of go up in flames. And I'm interested to see how the dynamic works. Are they the greatest three-point shooting team ever in an era where threes are king? Absolutely not. They never will be. Russell Westbrook, not a great three-point shooter. LeBron holds his own, and Anthony Davis holds his own. But I don't think you would go out of your way to say any of them were great shooters, especially from beyond the arc. But I'm interested to see how it plays out. I really am. I think that... Russell Westbrook's going to take some touches away from LeBron because he needs his touches too. And I really want to see how the pick and roll will work moving forward, how playmaking will work, playmaking down the stretch, how in the closing stretches will it be Russell, then LeBron, then Russell, then Anthony Davis gets a possession. I just, I don't know where the ball is going to be all the time, and I'm excited. I've gotten into Russell Westbrook's corner this year watching him play for Washington. I mean, you could call him a stat patter, you could call him a triple-double chaser, but at the end of the day, he's very, very fun to watch, and I think him, LeBron, and AD will be very, very fun to watch in that purple and gold. And I also think if Anthony Davis misses time with injury, if LeBron can't go the full way because at his age he is older, going to need some load management here and there, maybe Russell carries him through the regular season. Maybe he shoulders the load when those guys can't play one night, or if he's out one night, the other guys. Less pressure with more star power. I'm also very, very excited about Carmelo Anthony, and I get it. He's older. He's up there with LeBron in age. But he's one of my favorite players from Baltimore. One of my favorite players played at Syracuse, one of my favorite college teams out there. I'm just excited to see what he'll do. And he had the best three-point shooting year of his career last year, I'm pretty sure. around Right around 40%, I want to say. Not going to double-check my math on that. Let's keep going. But I actually like the pieces they added. Trevor Ariza, older. Don't get me wrong. That's the thing about this Lakers team is they're supposedly going to be playing in the Senior Citizen League, whatever it is. Got a lot of age, but I don't dislike the way their roster is constructed. A reason can give you defense, and he can give you some wing shooting. Dwight Howard, he's going to protect the rim. He did it last year in Philly in his minutes. He did it when he was with L.A. He's not the dominant rim protector he once was, but a very serviceable big man still at this point. I like the Kendrick Nunn move a lot. Gives you another point guard option coming off the bench. 
Malik Monk. He's a good shooter. You're going to get that out of him. Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore, also decent shooters. So hopefully that's the thing that everybody said is the Lakers need shooting, need shooting, need shooting. It looks like they were able to get a little bit of that here and there. And all in all, it's just looking good, in my opinion, as a guy that watches the Lakers as much as he can. I think it's going to be an interesting and entertaining year. But yeah, so that about does it for the Lakers. Another team that I want to talk about, though, is the Chicago Bulls because they're putting something together also. They went out and got Lonzo Ball in free agency in a sign-and-trade move and also were able to grab DeMar DeRozan. So they're going to pair him with Zach Levine and then Nikola Vucevic down low. And I really think that they can be not a contender in the East, but they can make some noise, maybe challenge for one of those top four seeds. I'm really excited to see what they'll do. Chicago being good at basketball, the Bulls being very good at basketball is great for the sport, great for the NBA, just whether it's the Michael Jordan era and the legend that it created or even back when D. Rose was good. So Chicago to come back to the forefront and be one of the more marquee franchises, that'll be a big deal, and I think it'll be a great time for the city and a big thing moving forward, and I'm really excited to see what they do there. Um, Arguably, like I said, I could see them at four. I could see them at five, maybe six. I don't know where they'll fall in. I think they do go back to the playoffs this year, and I think they make some noise. Zach Levine had that crazy between-the-legs dunk to cap off the gold the gold medal game in the Olympics, so maybe he's going to tear it up this year. I mean, he's won some dunk contests. I think he wants to win some playoff games. Just in all honesty, Chicago basketball might be back. The Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry agreed to go to the Heat. I believe it was a sign-and-trade agreement. He's going to join Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Victor Oladipo came back on a minimum contract. Once he's healthy, he should be inserted into that lineup somewhere. Their defense? Scary. 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 All right, that's enough time saying it just to let you know that it is scary. They're two years removed from a finals appearance, and they have a championship point guard now on their team. So to say that they couldn't go back would be grossly just misinformed they could go right back this year and have a better shot at it than they did the first time so I think that if the Heat are trying to go where they want to go they have some good pieces together not necessarily a bona fide grade a big name superstar but I'll take my chances with Kyle Lowry Jimmy Butler Bam Adebayo and a solid roster against pretty much anyone in the league and especially anyone in the east outside of maybe the Brooklyn Nets another team in the east the New York Knicks Kemba Kemba Walker, he was in the OKC Gulag for what felt like the shortest time of any big-name player spent there lately, agreed to a deal with the Knicks after a buyout from the Thunder. He's going to return to Madison Square Garden where he put on so much magic back in the day with UConn. And I honestly think that the Knicks should hold their spot. They were fourth last year, and they'll hold their own again in the conference this year. Julius Randle re-signed. Derrick Rose came back. And if R.J. Barrett takes a big step forward, they could contend for a higher fourth spot than that fourth I don't know because if the East shakes out the same way it does maybe the fourth seed is their peak but I think when it gets to playoff time maybe they make more noise than they did this year going down pretty pretty easily against the Hawks and then of course I mentioned it a little bit with Zach Levine team USA took home the gold just like we all expected the early struggles in the Vegas games and then the loss in the tournament itself none of that mattered didn't end up getting that matchup against Luka Doncic and Slovenia as they fell in the semifinals to France, so USA, another gold medal, KD led that team, I think he had 20 points per game throughout the whole tournament, I think he's the only player to ever do that, if that stat's wrong, I'm a terrible journalist, but we're gonna roll with it, I'm running a solo show tonight, and I'm all by myself, and it's late, let's just see, let me double check that stat real quick before I move on to what I want to talk about next. 
So, yes, the list of U.S. men's basketball players to average 20 points per game in a single Olympics. The only player to ever do it, Kevin Durant, PG County, Maryland. That's all I have to say about that. Um, let me just talk some brief NFL news, then I'll get to the interview with Tolu, and then I'll wrap up with some personal news and what the show is going to look like moving forward. So in the NFL, um, just a couple of major headlines here. It's still the offseason training camps ramping up. We had the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and the Steelers not too long ago. So football's back, kind of. Preseason is going on. Lamar Jackson had the COVID again. So that was his second stint now with COVID. Of course, if you remember, he had it late last season, missed the Thanksgiving game. Hopefully that's not an issue we see again this season. Had it twice already. What's the chances he catches it a third time? I got to believe slim to none. But hey... It's a pandemic we're living in. If he gets it again, terrible news for the Ravens and how they want to move going forward. But hopefully the water's under the bridge and we'll have a good, healthy season from Lamar Jackson. Aaron Rodgers, another QB in the news, also ended up showing up to camp. And the biggest takeaway I have about him right now is that he is really good at throwing footballs into nets. There's been a couple viral clips of him throwing absolute bombs just into catching nets 50 yards away, 45 yards away, even further than that. So... Looks like he's still got the cannon and in what looks like it's going to be his last year in Green Bay, getting ready to gear up for what him and Devontae Adams are kind of referring to as the last dance. Down in the bayou, New Orleans, Michael Thomas's nagging ankle injury has reared its ugly head yet once again. He underwent an ankle surgery, I believe, in June and was actually ducking calls from Saints management and head coach Sean Payton, so... I mean, this might be a hot take coming from... Actually, it's not a hot take coming from me. It's a very well-known take, I believe, out there. Is just a class-A diva. Great receiver. One of the best in the game when he's healthy, when he's on the field. But why would you not return your team's calls? They want to know what's going on with you. They let you have the time off to get your ankle surgery. I don't know what's going on with that. There's speculation he could get moved. There's speculation he's going to stay. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But just a bizarre, bizarre story because... It just is. You don't see that. You don't see your star player not returning calls, ducking calls, staying out of contact. And then finally, Carson Wentz had another injury, underwent surgery on his foot. So just if you're a Colts fan, you're just scratching your head because he has the injury history and you you got him him from the Eagles. But he's expected to be back for week one. Originally, it was reported that he could miss way more time. So if he returns week one and is fully healthy, then it's little to do about nothing and – No big deal. But with that being said, that's all the updates I have in the sports world. I want to move along. I want to move along to this interview that I did with my friend Tolu from school. We took the same Journalism 262 class. It was about video cameras and news videography. He since went on to bigger and greater things. He was a year ahead of me. He graduated, I believe, last last June. So he graduated then. He's now at Syracuse at the Newhouse School working towards his master's in broadcast journalism. He's doing a lot of great stuff. It was a great interview. We chopped it up about soccer. I'm not a soccer guy. I'm not going to pretend to be a soccer guy. So he, I left that interview knowing a lot, and I hope you guys enjoyed it because I had a lot of fun doing it. I'm going to put that interview right here. What did he say? So um, I just want to welcome on to Lua. Thank you for joining Top of the Hill. Uh, just me, solo, solo show tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me, and just what is good with you, man? My former classmate at University of Maryland, now you're at Syracuse working on your master's. How have you been? Uh, first, I want to say thanks for having me, Brad. It's a pleasure. Um, I really appreciate you thinking of me. Um, yeah, like you said, we were former classmates, and it was a pretty fun class. We learned a lot, and yeah, now I'm at Syracuse. I'm um, right now getting my master's degree in sports 
well, I'm, let me say broadcast journalism with a focus on sports media. Um, honestly, the experience has been crazy. Like it's been fun. It's been a lot of work. They're putting us through a lot of work. Like right now we're, this whole week has just been find a story, produce a newscast, anchor a newscast. Like it's just been that back to back to back. But I'll be honest, like UMD set me up for this. Like it really helped me, it like nurtured my skills, helped me hone my skills for sure. Um, I came in here thinking like, okay, this is gonna be hard, but I can do it. UMD saved me. Right now I have, I'm doing really well. I'm getting A's on pretty much everything. So honestly, I'm blessed, but how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm getting ready to go into senior year. Got a lot of things popping off. The whole, the whole COVID year kind of just yeah. set me back. I was at home and all, but I'm hoping to kind of hit the ground running and have a, a great senior year, set myself up for something. Syracuse, I, didn't, I didn't realize you were going to Syracuse, so I talked to you the other night. Yeah. That, that was the first school I ever visited. Like, like I said, I got the hat on tonight. I fell in love up there. I visited Newhouse, and it was just awesome. And then that didn't go my way, but I got into Maryland, and it's been a blessing ever since. Yeah. But I brought you on because I want to talk some soccer. I'm not a huge soccer head. I think that you are, so I think that you can answer my questions. Sure. And let's start right there is the biggest news this week, Lionel Messi leaving his longtime club, FC Barcelona, headed to Paris. I think it's Paris Saint-Germain, PSG. Yes. PSG. Um, he went there on a two-year deal. He's going to join up with Neymar and Mbappe. So that's going to be a crazy front set of guys, front wingers and a yeah. forward leader. He's going to make about 30 to 35 million euros per year, which for my American list listeners, 35 to 41 million. But basically, yeah. I want to know about that. Um, was that move kind of a long time coming? I remember hearing something about him wanting to leave a while back, but I just figured it was hearsay. Yeah. What, what was up with this move? So, yeah, basically, like you said, it's a blockbuster move. It's one of the it's probably the biggest move we've seen in like the last decade. Never uh, me personally, I've been watching soccer pretty much ever since I was born. Never thought I'd see the day Messi leave Barcelona. Um, but yeah, this move has actually been coming. Uh, it, like you're right. Last season, he wanted to leave. He wanted out. And it's not like he wanted to leave because the club wasn't doing well or he didn't like his teammates. It was really the higher ups. It was the president president has kind of been robbing the club blind um so the reason why he left to my to the best of my knowledge is because the organization like the leaders they didn't really know what they were doing the direction they were going in was actually a downward trajectory they would spend a lot of money on players that they would eventually sell on for maybe a third of the price so barcelona they're actually they're considered poor i know you know they have millions of dollars they're a huge organization and this messy deal, him going to PSG has completely destroyed Barcelona. Beforehand, they were struggling with finances. They had to let a lot of players go. He, um, at one point, was willing to take a pay cut. Um, and he's messy. You can't imagine Messi taking a pay cut, but he loves the club. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he still loves the club to this day. But yeah, it was a lot of financial issues with the board. The president wasn't doing a good job. So yeah, uh, him going to PSG is huge. Um, honestly, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm really shocked. Yeah, well, I mean, you just mentioned right there the, like, love for his club, love for Barcelona. He's been there forever. Forever. Ever since I've known Messi, he's been at Barcelona. But at the end of the day, we see it all the time in sports. Sports is a business, so he had to make a, a sound business decision for himself. And so for that, what what is your expectation of this PSG team moving forward? This PSG team better win everything possible. Like you said at the beginning, they have Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. But regardless, you know, of that front three, how deadly it is. I think personally, that's the deadliest front three in the world. Messi is Messi. Mbappe is a young up, up and coming striker. 
who's been scoring 20 plus goals consistently. He's only 22. And Neymar has been established ever since he was 18. And I think now he's 28. So these are players that know exactly what they need to do in front of the goal. But behind them, they have stars. They just signed a new goalkeeper, Donnarumma. He's 22, but he's one of the best goalies in the world already. Um, they have Marquinhos. They just signed Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid. That's a solid center back partnership. They have very attacking wing backs. Uh, I'll say full backs, like right back and left back. They have a very good midfield. Verratti is a really good player in the midfield. He knows how to orchestrate the game really well. So, yeah, they, they have – if they don't win the Champions League, I think that's the biggest thing because they can win their league. They've been winning it consistently. I think last season was the first time – or, like, this previous season was the first time they haven't won their league in maybe five or six years. So they were dominant. But the Champions League is what every European team wants. They have to win it. They really have no choice. They have the best team in Europe. So if they don't win it, then it, getting messy would be pretty much for nothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And well, so that's kind of what I wanted to touch on next is I was looking up um, PSG in the past and they were second last year, won the year before. Yeah. But from just talking to you right now, it sounds like, like you said, the Champions League is the league to win. The other leagues mean something, but not as much as the Champions League. Yeah. So basically, I just kind of want to know who are some of the other teams to beat? Like who are the teams that are going to be giving PSG their biggest nightmares? Of course. So as of right now, I'm pretty sure everyone has PSG, excuse me, as the front runner. Bayern Munich is also a fantastic team. They still have pretty much the same exact group of players. They lost one of their key uh, defenders, but they made up for it. They signed someone immediately who's proven. So Bayern Munich, they have Lewandowski as well, who was the best striker in the world last year. So they're um, a contender. Manchester City is also a contender. They've been absolutely flying in England. They have a great squad and they keep adding. They just signed Jack Grealish, who really played well at the Euros for England. Um, so, yeah, Bayern Munich, Manchester City. Uh, I want to say I have to include, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea as well. Um, I'm not going to include Manchester United because I still have to see what they what they do. Um, in the other leagues, I can't see Barcelona being a big team anymore. So normally I would always consider them, but they just lost literally their best player ever. So they're not in it. Um, who else can I think of? So I said Bayern Munich, Manchester City, um, Chelsea, Liverpool. Juventus have a good chance as well. They need to make some signings. But really, the only front runner that I can see challenging PSG is either Bayern Munich or Manchester City. Those are the two strongest teams other than PSG. Okay. And then yeah. so you just named a bunch of teams. And <laughs> a couple months back, there was the Super League was coming into fruition. And – I kind of got the gist of it. They want to take all the best teams, put them in one league. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that from a perspective of someone who knows it much better and what ultimately made it fail? Okay. So like you said, the Super League was supposed to be a, a kind of standalone league. Um, so it would take all the best teams from England, Germany, Spain, Italy, and France. Uh, I think actually no, no French team wanted to join. But the original plan was to have PSG, Bayern Munich, Manchester United, all the big, big teams, all the teams that when you hear their name, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I click with it. So that was their goal. They wanted to have a standalone league where they would take those teams out of their leagues and it would be its own league. And then the rest of the teams would just play without them, which is ridiculous. So the reason why it failed was essentially because it was a money, it was a money grab. A lot of fans realized that, OK, it may sound cool in theory to have Manchester United play Real Madrid every, every week or Matt Chelsea play Barcelona every, every other week. 
But then fans started to realize, wait a minute, that's going to completely diminish all the other teams and all the other leagues. So the likes, I'll, I'll, I'll name some Premier League teams, the likes of Everton or the likes of Leicester City who are coming up, they, they wouldn't have a chance to ever be elite. So they would be set in, an, in their own money bracket while all these teams would just be profiting. Because who would want to see a Premier League filled with no Manchester United, no Manchester City, no Chelsea, no Liverpool? Nobody would want to watch that. And then on the other hand, who would want to see Manchester United play Barcelona 10 years in a row? It would just, it would kind of get old and repetitive. It would get boring. I want to use an example for like the NBA, for example. We've seen a lot of teams who we never thought would make it to the playoffs. We never thought the Suns would go to the finals, let alone the Bucks. We had the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie, and James Harden. You thought they're for sure going to win. But like when you see teams that normally don't make it, you're like, this is what you want to see. You want to see something new. The Super League would have completely diminished any chances of that happening. And it was really just for all the, I'm going to say this, but all the greedy owners from the big clubs, they just wanted to make money. So it failed because of that reason. The fans were like, no, if you do this, we won't support your club. We will literally unfollow you on every social media platform. We won't buy your merchandise. We won't go to, we won't buy tickets. And I think the owners realized like, whoa, uh, that, that's not good. But even though it did fail, there are still reports that they still want to form it. Um, even though the Premier, like the FA in England and the, the Spanish FA, the Italian FA, they all said, if you do this, we're fining you. And you're not going to be able to play in the Champions League. You're not going to be able to play in the league. So there was heavy sanctions, but there could be a chance it comes back, but I hope it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I like the, the NBA reference you just made there, because I kind of wanted to ask that about yeah. Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Yeah. Would the Brooklyn Nets be the best comparison to what PSG is doing right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. So three stars at the top of their game. Okay. So that, that kind of helps me make more sense of it. Because like I said, not the biggest soccer guy, but I do get the NBA pretty well. Yeah. But I want to talk about you for a second. Did you play soccer growing up? Has soccer always been a part of your life? Yeah. So um, I actually, when I grew up, I actually was a big fan of basketball. I always told myself I wanted to not play basketball, but I really enjoy basketball. And it was one day I was like six or seven. My dad turned on the Champions League final. It was Manchester United versus Chelsea. And I was like, wow. I mean, the game, it, it finished 1-1 and went to penalties. But wow, the game was just back and forth, end to end. I'm like, this is something I, I need to get myself involved with. And ever since then, I started playing soccer. I started training myself. And I feel like soccer always came to me naturally. Um, I played in high school, I played obviously middle school, high school, and injured myself in high school, unfortunately couldn't really, you know, elevate my, my game to the next level to even think about college because after my injury, I kind of just gave up. And it's definitely one of my biggest regrets. But even so, I told myself, if I can't play soccer, I got to learn journalism and talk about it. I got to be an analyst somehow. I got to be a reporter somehow. Just be involved in it. And it's something that honestly is one of my biggest passions. I'll wake up, every, I'll wake up any, any time of the day, if I'm watching a Manchester United game, if I'm watching a Premier League game, if it's at 7 a.m., because of the time difference, I'll do it. I'll wake up, I'll watch it, I'll critically analyze it. Just for me, because watching the game is fun, but analyzing it takes it a, the next, to the next level. Like, you really get to see what these players' weaknesses, their strengths are. Um, so, yeah, it's been something that I've always, I've always loved. 
I got you. And absolutely. And I don't know how much chances you get for analyzation right now, but that's kind of why I'm doing this. I want to bring on the people that I know because the people that I'm interviewing are good at what they do. I talked to, I don't know if the name Brandon Simberg means anything to you. I brought him on a couple of times to talk college hoops and he's giving me some great stuff on it. Crazy. Um, Who is your favorite, who's your team and who's your favorite player? Okay. So my favorite team is Manchester United. That was the first team I ever loved when I was watching that Champions League final. I mean, I could have either chosen Manchester United or Chelsea, but something just, it, it just resonated with me with Manchester United. And I, I can honestly say I'm, I will support Man U to the day I die. Even if they get relegated, even if they don't exist anymore, I'll always support. Um, my favorite player, that fluctuates a lot because I, it's not necessarily like I like a certain player, but I like their style. I like the way they go about the game. So when I was younger, my favorite player was Ronaldo. Then it switched over to this guy named Luis Nani, who played for Manchester United. He was a very like silky smooth type of dribbler, could shoot long shots. It was it was crazy. And then as I've gotten older and I've started to my game has started to develop as well because in high school I was a winger. I was really fast and, and skinny. So I could burn people, I could dribble. But as I've gotten older, like, you know, I've gotten a little slower. I haven't I'm not in my the top of my game physically anymore. So I started moving into the center of the midfield and I love people who are creative. Doesn't matter if they're physical or not. There are players that can change the game, even if they're the scrawniest person on the field. So I say my favorite player right now is probably Paul Pogba. I just love his game. He's he's a really lanky type of guy, but he's so eloquent on the ball. And he can spread it around, he can shoot, he can pass, he can dribble. Just pretty much the complete player. Yeah, I got you. And like I've said it once already, twice maybe. Not the biggest soccer guy. I did used to play FIFA back in the day though, and Pogba was one of my favorite guys to run things with. Yeah. Um, but that really does it for like all the questions I have. I know that you've been putting out a lot of YouTube content lately. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Me and the yeah. listeners, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have a YouTube channel. I had originally named it the 4545 Podcast, basically the two 45-minute halves in a game. I love the name, but I wanted to kind of open up the channel more so that anyone who wanted to watch could. So I just named it the Tulua Fam Channel. But the content is primarily soccer, analyzing you know, the Euros, the Premier League. So what I do on that channel is, you know, I'll either do pregame analysis, post-match analysis, or I'll talk about the biggest news. Right now, I haven't had the time to because I'm really just trying to focus on school. Um, But the Premier League starts this weekend, and thankfully, my program ends next week. So next week is pretty light, so I have time to really get on my grind. Um, The channel is basically about soccer. Everything involving the world of soccer, the biggest news, the biggest you know, the latest things that are happening and just really breaking down games and breaking down why things happen in games. Um, And that's kind of why I came to get my master's too. I wanted to get better at that. And I wanted to make connections so that, hey, you know, take a look at my stuff. Let me know what you think, improve and get better always so that I can bring the best content possible. So yeah, um, that's basically the gist of my channel. Gotcha. And so, like I said, that about does it for me. I want to thank you again, Tolua, for coming on. Yes. Good to see you, man. I mean, I'm, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know about the Syracuse thing. Congratulations. Thank Hope you. Living out the dreams up there. And thank just, you. again, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. And I hope your senior year goes perfect. Hope you uh, you graduate well, you do well. I believe in you, bro. Being in class with you, we, we had the same, the same mindset pretty much. So I really do appreciate talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. So thanks again to Tolu for coming on the show. I definitely learned a lot from him, and it was a great time talking it up with him. 
haven't heard from him in a while because everybody's living a busy life and the whole pandemic year kind of just threw communication off amongst everyone. It was really good to hear from him, and hopefully I'll have him on the show again at a later date because, as you can tell, passionate about soccer and he knows the game. So if I ever need some soccer soccer knowledge, some soccer talk, I'm definitely going to look into bringing Tolu back. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I had a lot of fun putting it together, and it was always good to talk to an old friend. With that being said, I want to wrap up the show. I don't really have any more sports news as much as I have some personal news to update you guys on. So if you've gathered anything about me throughout my time on top of the hill so far, it's that I'm a journalism student at the University of Maryland. I'm entering my senior year, and it's going to be a big-time year. I've just gotten some great news this week, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I found out this week that I'm going to be, be taking over as the football beat writer for the left bench for Maryland football this year. The left bench is a student-run TV show, sports-based content. That's really the best way to put it. Um, it's at the left bench on Twitter, and I applied to be managing editor, and they reached out to me. They said, hey, we're going to go with this guy for managing editor, but would you have interest in being the football beat writer? And I thought about taking a beat writing job this year, but I have some other stuff on my plate. But the opportunity just seemed right, and I was taught very early on, if you don't have to, don't say no. So I said yes, and I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm going to be working with a lot of great people and some really good content. I'm excited for the season. Along with that, I'm also getting a role as the co-director of social media for WMUC Sports, your Terps, your station. That's where I got my start on the radio with the student radio station at UMD. It's been a lot of fun. I've loved all the games I've been able to do so far, and I was ready to have a bigger role, so I'm glad to be a part of that. And I've reached out to my other co-director about maybe getting some time on the podcast once we're both at school. So if that time comes, you'll hear from him then. His name's Jack. He's a really seems like a really good guy. I don't know him that well. I hope to get to know him a lot better. And then finally, my final news is that I'm going to be taking over as editor of Terps Watch, which is where the first place I got my start when I got to college. It is the sports blog version of the Diamondback, which is the student newspaper, the biggest student newspaper there is, really. And it's the sports blog. We cover... Terps basketball, Terps football, but we also cover Terps and the pros, and I've been there since the spring of my freshman year, and it's now my time to kind of handle the keys, get the keys to the Corvette and get it running. I've loved every minute I've worked at Terps Watch. It's been able to give me an outlet for writing, and it's been a great time. I'm really excited for all these new responsibilities, and I think it's really going to shape me into something Something that's ready to go once graduation comes around. But with that being said, that means that Top of the Hill is likely going to take a little bit of a back burner for a while. I'm going to try to keep a schedule, maybe put out a show a week, maybe a show bi-weekly. I'll figure that out when the time comes. I want to get more involved with the blog, whether that's writing NFL news, NFL updates, opinions, stuff like that. Because in reality, I can do pretty much anything I want with that because it's my run blog and it's a great place to showcase writing and put out stories. So I'm really excited for that and it's just... Thank you all who've listened so far, who this is your first episode, whatever it is, whatever the case may be, because at the end of the day, this has given me lots of hands-on practice, and I've had so much fun doing it. This isn't the end of Top of the Hill, don't worry, but there's a lot of good stuff going on, and life's getting busy. With that said, I should be back for our next show, hopefully another one this week, since I'll be out of town in Hawaii next week. We're looking to put two shows out. If that happens, I mean, I caught lightning in a bottle, but thank you again for listening so far. And I'm going to finish up with my top-of-the-hill take. I've been watching a lot of Summer League basketball, and my top-of-the-hill take is that, hmm, where do I want to go with this? I'm going to say Evan Mobley will have the best first half of the season among the three top rookies. I'm going to think Cade will struggle a little bit coming out of the gates and Jalen Green, both playing guard spots. I think Mobley will 
fill in and be okay. I'm excited to see what he'll have, and if that take comes true, just know you heard it here first on Top of the Hill. That about does it for me. That's my show. Tyler should be back on the next one. Thanks for listening. This was Logan Hill, and this was Top of the Hill.